All right, greetings everyone. Good to see you. Thanks for being here and making worship a priority this weekend. I want to also welcome everyone who's joining us online. Uh, if you got a Bible with you, go ahead and grab it and go all the way back to the book of Genesis and find the 27th chapter and then just hold that ready for a few minutes. While you're doing that, I just want to say what a great weekend we've already had here at Mount Pleasant. Uh, on Friday night, we had our Family Matters Friday, which was a huge event across the street at the Community Life Center and on our soccer fields. We had inflatables, all kinds of games, all kinds of activities. We had food trucks, had so many people that um, uh, some of the food trucks ran out of food. It was just a tremendous turnout. I don't know, I think there were like 50,000 people there. That's going to be my count. I don't know if anybody actually took an official count, so just write that down. We had about 50,000 people there uh, on Friday night. It was a great, great event, and man, the weather was just perfect and ideal. And then uh, earlier today, we had our Parenting Matters uh, conference across the street at the uh, Student Ministry Center. I know everyone who participated in that was blessed by that, and I just want to pause and say thank you to everyone who made all of this happen. Uh, there are too many people for me to try to even name names, so uh, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for making the weekend so special. Uh, this is the final message in our Family Matters message series. So far, we've spent a couple of weeks talking about marriage. We talked about God's design for marriage. We talked about the intimate marriage. Last week, we talked about the single life, and we're going to finish this weekend by talking about blessing our children, blessing our children. Uh, the relationship between parents and children is one of the most crucial relationships in the world today because so much of a child's identity, so much of a child's self-worth, and so much of a child's vision for the future comes from their parents. That's why parenting is so, one of the many reasons why parenting is so important. But there can be some funny and lighthearted moments between parents and children. Uh, one of the everyday realities of life today is that we all have a phone and we all text. We text people. I text people way more than I talk to them in person, I think, uh, a lot of the time. And I'm sure you would say the same thing. This past week, I was looking at a list of some real-life texts between parents and children. I thought some of them were funny. I thought I might share a few. Uh, here uh, is the first one, okay? Yeah, you got to kind of think about this. This is one sentence that appears to be one word. Andy, I don't know where the space bar is. Andy texts back and says, it's in the middle of the bottom. It's labeled space. I don't see it, Andy. Could you be more clear? I don't know how much clearer I could be. And then simply, I found it. How about this next one? I like this next one. Hey, son, which phone do you like most, Samsung S3 or iPhone 5? Oh, my gosh, Dad, I like the S3. Thanks, Dad. It's not for you. It's for your sister. <laughs> Here's the next one. What do you want for your birthday? Obviously, this is to a son, a girlfriend that's not crazy. You should ask for something more real, realistic, like a dragon. <laughs> I didn't write it. I'm just delivering it. Here's my favorite. Mom, where are you? Leaving Walmart halfway home. Why, sweetie? You brought me to Walmart with you. Oh, darn. That's the church version. Oh, darn. I'll be there in a minute, or a bit, rather. This is a strange one. Dad, there's a moth on the outside of the bathroom door. Can you get rid of it? Please hurry because I'm going to cry. Dad. Dad? Dad is dead. You're next. Love, moth. Somebody's pretty clever with that one. Good morning, beautiful. XOXOXO. Of course, that stands for kisses and hugs. Kisses and hugs, kisses and hugs, kisses and hugs, your imaginary boyfriend. Thanks, Mom. 
And this is my absolute favorite. You might have to think about it for a minute. This is a parent to a child. You left your phone at home. <laughs> if you didn't get that, ask the person sitting next to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's nothing like being a parent, right? But it is a crucial, crucial role in the lives of our children. So I want to spend some time talking about blessing our children. I'm going to begin by looking at a story, and I'm sure it's a familiar story to many of you, in Genesis chapter 27. But before we look at the specific story, let me give you a little summary of what leads to the story. If you're familiar with your Old Testament, you know this. In Genesis chapter 12, God gives a special call to a man named Abraham. His name was Abram at the time, but we're just going to call him Abraham. God says, I want you to leave your native country, I want you to leave your family, and I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. He also tells Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, which we know became the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. That's why when we were little, we sang Father Abraham in Sunday school because he was the father of God's people. God goes on to say, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And ultimately, he tells Abraham, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's a significant promise from God. And so Abraham did, did what God asked. Abraham was married at the time to a woman named Sarah. Her name was originally Sarai, but we're going to call her Sarah. But they had no children. We don't have a lot of time to talk about the specifics of Abraham's life, but let's just say it was colorful. But in spite of anything that happened in or around Abraham's life, God continued to confirm this call and this covenant he had with Abraham. One example would be in Genesis chapter 15 where God speaks to Abraham in a vision and he, he, he reassures him of this covenant. He even says to him, or excuse me, and Abraham responds by saying to God in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 2, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? I mean, you said you're going to make me the father of a great nation and I don't even have a child. Abraham even in, in the moment goes on to speculate that one of his heirs, one of his servants rather, is going to become his heir. And God responds to that with reassurance. Look at verses 4 and 5 from Genesis 15. We'll put them on the screen. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And to Abraham's credit, friends, he continued to believe God. But in spite of that, Abraham and Sarah continued to have no children. They continued to be childless, and that troubled them so deeply, especially Sarah, that at one point they took matters into their own hands, and Abraham has a child, a son, with one of Sarah's handmaidens, which ended up being a terrible, terrible mistake. We don't even have time to talk about that. But when Abraham was 99 years old, you read about this in Genesis chapter 17, when he was 99 years old, God once again confirmed this call and this covenant with him and reiterated the promise that he would have numerous descendants. By the way, that's when God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. God told him that Sarah would have a son and that they were to name that son Isaac. And that's what happened. When Abraham was 100 years old, Isaac was born. Well, you fast forward a little bit, and Isaac has grown now, and he needs a wife. And so Abraham arranges for a servant to go find Isaac a wife from his homeland, not from the land of Canaan where they were currently living. And that's what happened. And as a result, Isaac married a woman named Rebekah. You fast forward again, and Isaac and Rebekah have been married for some time, and they have 
sons. They have twin boys, and uh, their names are Esau and Jacob. Look at these words on the screen from, I, from Genesis 25, verses 24 and 26. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one, and this is kind of gross, was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. They named him Esau. That means hairy. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob, which means deceiver. And Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Well, as those boys grew up, Esau became an outdoorsman and Jacob became a homebody. But where things really began to go south and become dysfunctional for this family was when, as the boys grew up, Isaac favored Esau while Rebekah favored Jacob. The boys grew up and they reflected their names. Esau was, well, he was hairy. And Jacob was, in fact, a deceiver. You see that part of Jacob's personality at the end of Genesis chapter 25, and I'm sure many of you learned this in Sunday school like I did, when one day Jacob swindled Esau and took his birthright, all the rights that belonged to him as the firstborn son, for nothing more than a bowl of stew. And so Jacob was living up to his name as well. Well, you fast forward one last time, and now Isaac has come to the end of his life. Look at these words from Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 4. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied. I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pr pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. The blessing. Well, what happens next is the textbook definition of a dysfunctional family. Because Isaac's wife, Rebecca, overhears the conversation. And so, as soon as Esau leaves, remember, Esau was Isaac's favorite and Jacob was Rebecca's favorite. Rebecca finds Jacob and hatches a plan to steal Esau's blessing. She tells Jacob to go out and bring her some wild game so she can prepare it like Isaac liked so he could take it to Isaac and receive Esau's blessing before he dies. Jacob says, my brother is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if he touches me? He'll know that I'm trying to trick him and curse me instead of blessing him. But basically, Rebecca says, listen, I got all that figured out. Just do what I tell you. And so he got the wild game. Rebecca prepared it just the way Isaac liked. And then Rebecca went and got Esau's clothes, his favorite clothes, and put them on Jacob. And then she was really, see how scheming she was here. She took the skin of young goats and she attached it to the backs of his hands and his arms and the back of his neck so that if, if Isaac reached out to touch him, he would feel like a hairy man. I mean, this is getting devious. And so the time came and he takes the food. Jacob takes the food to his father Isaac. And Isaac says, who are you, Esau or Jacob? And Jacob lies to his father by saying he's Esau. In fact, this is literally what he says in Genesis 27, 19. He says, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac is trying to be thorough. And he says, come, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob got closer and 
Isaac reached out and he felt the goat's hair on his body. And Isaac says in Genesis 27, 22, these words, the voice is Jacob, but the hands are Esau. Ultimately, Isaac eats the meal that Rebekah had prepared, and he asks Jacob to come closer and to kiss him. And so that's what Jacob does. And the Bible says that when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, remember he's wearing Esau's favorite clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blesses his son. He says in Genesis chapter 27, the latter part of verse 27, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. And then he gives Jacob the blessing that was intended for Esau in verses 28 and 29. He says, from the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you an abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. And he gave his son Jacob the blessing that belonged to his son Esau. Now, I'm going to stop right there in the story, and I'm going to tell you that in a very real way, I went through the entire story of Jacob stealing his brother Esau's blessing so I could read a specific passage of Scripture. And I know it sounds unusual because we're already into the, into the message, but if you've got your Bible open to Genesis chapter 27, because we always make the public reading of Scripture a part of our service, and if you're able, go ahead and stand with me tonight for the reading of the Scripture. And I'm going to read what happens next. In Genesis chapter 27, I'm going to begin in verse 30, and I'm going to read down through verse 38, and I want you to follow along. Remember, Isaac has given Jacob the blessing that belongs to his brother Esau. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son Esau. Now note this, friends. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand and when Esau heard his words, his father's words, he let out a loud, bitter cry. And this is what he said. He said, oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he had tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. And Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my right as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? And Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? And Esau pleaded but do you have only one blessing? And then he says it again, Oh, my father, bless me too. And then Esau broke down and wept. There it is. You can be seated. We always ask for God to bless the reading of his word. I'm telling you in a very real way, friends, I'll say it again. In a very real way, I told you the entire story of Jacob stealing his brother Esau's blessing 
so I could read the words of Genesis 27, 38, where Esau says, oh, and he says this in a voice of anguish. Oh, my father, bless me. Because those words spoken centuries ago continue to be spoken by countless people today who long for the blessing of the most significant people in their lives. Are there differences between the blessing we see in biblical times and blessing our children today? Yes, there are. There are differences, some significant differences. Probably the most significant or significant rather is the blessing in biblical times was almost always one single momentous event, one event. We see that in our story. Isaac was about to die. He knew that. And so he calls his oldest son Esau in and asks him basically to prepare the circumstances and the setting for him to be able to pass along his blessing to him as his oldest son. It would be a moment when Esau would hear words from his father that translated to encouragement and to love, and this is so powerful, acceptance. It was a blessing that was reserved primarily for one special occasion. But a parent's blessing today, a parent's blessing to their children today is just as important. And today it's not something that happens just once. In fact, it should be something that we give to our children on a daily basis. It's something we should build into our children's daily lives, them hearing and receiving from us a blessing. And if we don't do that, if as parents we don't do that, then there's a good chance our children will live at least on some level with the same sense of loss and the same sense of anguish that Esau expressed when he said two different times, Oh, my father, bless me. But honestly, friends, it's even more than that. If you're a parent, blessing your children will provide them. I want you to listen to me close, especially if your children are still at home. Blessing your children will provide them with their absolute best defense against not just making wrong, but sometimes devastating choices in their lives in the pursuit of some kind of false blessing, some kind of false and counterfeit acceptance. And you can believe me when I say that the world, the church, is filled with people right now today who have deep regret in their lives about decisions they made in life simply in the pursuit of just wanting to feel like they were loved and accepted by someone. That kind of identity and that kind of security needs to come from parents. Several years ago, two men, Gary Smalley and John Trent, wrote about this in a book that they simply called The Blessing. In the book, they told the same biblical story that we just talked about a few minutes ago, the story of Isaac and Rebekah and their sons Jacob and Esau, and in particular, how Jacob and Rebekah conspired to steal Isaac's blessing that was intended for Esau. 
They didn't just tell the biblical story, but they also included real-life stories of people, men and women, that they had encountered, that they had counseled and talked to, who were lost in their lives for a long time as a result of having never received a blessing from their parents. And using that story from Genesis chapter 27, along with those other elements, they identified five different parts of a blessing that needs to be passed on from parents to children. I'm going to put the five parts on the screen so you can see them. Number one, there's a meaningful touch. Number two, there's a spoken message. Number three, there's attaching high value to the one being blessed. Number four, there's picturing a special future for the one being blessed. And number five, there's an active commitment to fulfill the blessing. And they wrote about those in this book, The Blessing. They used the story and some other elements to explain each part of the blessing a little bit more clearly. We don't have time to talk about it in detail, but for example, they talked about a meaningful touch, which is the first part of the blessing in their book. And they talked about how Isaac at one point says to Jacob, who he thinks is Esau, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. If you're familiar with your Bible, and particularly the Old Testament, then you know that that kind of thing was not an isolated incident in ancient days. When you read about the blessing in the Old Testament, you see actions, physical actions like that. There is, there is a kiss. There is a hug. There is the laying on of hands. There's a meaningful touch often involved in the blessing. And then they talked about a spoken message. You go back in the Old Testament before our story, and you can see a point in Abraham's life when Isaac was born, when Isaac, when he had that son that God had promised him for so long that he waited, he and Sarah had waited so long for, when the time came for Abraham to bless Isaac, he spoke a blessing to Isaac. We see in our story that Isaac spoke a blessing to Jacob, even though he thought it was Esau. And if you fast forward from where we are in Genesis chapter 27, you'll see that ultimately Jacob, when he was an older man and he was a father, gave a spoken blessing to each of his 12 sons. And not just that, but he also gave a spoken blessing to two of his grandsons. There was a spoken message in the scriptures that was attached to a blessing. The third thing that they mentioned in their book was attaching high value to the one being blessed. I don't think that needs a lot of explanation. But if you look back in our story, in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 27, when, when Isaac hugs Jacob thinking it's Esau because he smells Esau on his clothes that Jacob was wearing, he says, oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed and then he goes on and says later as a part of the blessing in the latter part of verse 29, may many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. Attaching a high value to the one being blessed. You're no ordinary person. You're special. You're special. And then number four. You go on and talk about, or they go on and talk about rather picturing a special future for the one being blessed. Again, you look back in our story and you see Isaac saying these words in Genesis 27, verses 28 and 29. I'm going to kind of summarize them. May God give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. 
And finally, there's an active commitment to fulfilling the blessing. Or in other words, parents play an active role in trying to make sure their children live out the reality of the blessing that they've given them in their lives. Now, in the Old Testament, when it came to the patriarchs, and that's what Abraham was, and that's what Isaac was, and that's what Jacob was, a patriarch was basically a leader or a father of God's family. How many times do you read in your Bible people talking about the faith of, of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or talking about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob because they were significant characters in God's story. They were the patriarchs, the fathers, and the leaders of God's family. And in the Old Testament, when it came to the patriarchs, God himself, because there was a prophetic reality attached to their blessing, God himself stood behind the blessing and was, was actively involved in seeing that the blessing was fulfilled. And those are the elements of the blessing that we see in this book, this insightful book called simply The Blessing. And that's what we pass on to our children. That's what we need to pass on to our children. To give them love and encouragement and acceptance. To give them all the days of their lives security and peace. Now, having said that, here's the bottom line. As strange and as bizarre and as dysfunctional as this story is in Genesis chapter 27, a story where the father and the mother, along with both brothers, were clearly at odds with each other, as strange and as bizarre and as dysfunctional as this story is, that doesn't diminish the power of the parental blessing because it's something that every child needs. Well, I was studying for this message. I read that Paul Tournier, who was a Swiss psychiatrist slash theologian, in his practice used the story of Esau and the fact that he was cheated out of his blessing, used the story of Esau to describe a certain type of psychological problem that he was constantly dealing with in his therapy with people. And you know what he called it? He called it the unblessed child. He had continual flow of people into his practice whose deficiency or need or struggle could be summed up by the phrase, the unblessed child. And he wrote about it and said it had nothing to do with the gifts of the child. Oftentimes, the child would be incredibly gifted. It had nothing to do with the abilities or skills of the child. It had nothing to do with whether a child came from a wealthy family or a poor family or somewhere in between. It had nothing to do with material possessions. It had everything to do with the fact that the child never felt the blessing of his or her parents. And as a result, they never felt approved of by their parents. They never felt that they somehow measured up to the expectations of their parents. And no matter what they did, they never felt like they genuinely pleased their parents. And I'm telling you something, friends, and I'm sure you already know this, the world is full of people like that today. 
I can tell you as a pastor, the church is full of people like that today. I have a friend who is one of the most talented people I know, hands down. He's a pastor of an incredible church. He is a tremendous preacher, one of the best that I have ever heard. I don't care what faith movement you're talking about. One of the best, absolutely best I have ever heard. He is smart. He is perceptive. He is gifted in multiple ways. And at the same time, he is terribly, desperately insecure. Probably the most insecure person I have ever met in my life. And you know why? Because he spends his entire life, every day of his life, working for and looking for something that he should have received when he was young, but he didn't. The blessing of his parents. And no matter what he accomplishes today, it's never enough to fill that void. I'm certain that there are people listening to me right now that there will be people listening to me in every service this weekend who are thinking to themselves, you know what, Pastor? I'm an unblessed child. You may be 40 years old. You may be 50 years old. You may be 60 years old or older. And you still feel the effects of what's missing from your life Because regardless of what you've accomplished with your life, regardless of what you've accomplished in your life, it never makes a difference. And you live with this constant nagging feeling that something is missing and that you can never quite measure up. Whatever you do, it's never enough. And what you're missing is the blessing of your parents. Because that's the blessing that gives you security and peace. And if that describes you right now as you listen to me, then here's my word for you. You need to find security and peace in the blessing of God. I've told you about my family over the years that I've been here at Mount Pleasant. My family life was complicated. It was difficult. It was dysfunctional. I never had any meaningful relationship with my father. I never knew my biological father. I had never had any meaningful relationship with my adopted father. But let me tell you something that I learned in my own personal journey, and maybe it will help you. If you never received a blessing from your parents, then chances are your parents never received a blessing from theirs. And a lot of people simply don't have the ability to give away something that they never had. And at some point, you kind of need to let them off the hook. And you need to see them with a heart of understanding. And you can't do anything about that today, especially if your parents are gone. Both of my parents have passed away, and I'm sure that there are some of you here who could say the same thing. But what you can do is you can find security and peace in God, in the blessing of God. I'm going to put some words up on the screen from Romans chapter 8. It's Romans chapter 8 and verse 39. And I want you to read these words with me. I want to hear everyone's voice. Here we go. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great verse. Nothing. 
Nothing above, nothing below, nothing in between can ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if you are an unblessed child, whatever your age might be, then the best thing you can do is you can know for sure, and don't let another day go by if you have any doubt about this, you can know for sure right now today that your life is right with God because of your personal faith in Jesus Christ, his son who came into the world and died on the cross in your place to pay the penalty for your sin so your sin could be forgiven and you could go from being separated from God to living at peace with God and knowing that at peace with God, nothing, everyone say nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And you can find your security and your peace in him. It doesn't matter who you are. You can find your security and your peace in him. And that can be the foundation for your life for the rest of your life. No matter how much longer you have in this world. If you're a parent, the truth is, if you're a parent with children still at home, the truth is, this might seem a little overwhelming to you, but it doesn't have to be. And if you're uncertain about where you go from here when it comes to blessing your children, then let me close by just being real simple and real practical for just a few more minutes, I promise. Just like John Trent and Gary Smalley had five elements of a blessing in their book called The Blessing, I got five things written down here that I'm going to run through for you real quick that I think if you write down and remember, They'll pay dividends in your life. Here's the first one. Nothing blesses a child more than unconditional love and acceptance. How many of you know that's true? Nothing blesses a child more than unconditional love and acceptance. And so we have to make it our constant daily goal to find ways to communicate to our children that truth. That they have our unconditional love and acceptance. Unconditional conditional love and acceptance. That's one way to bless your children. Here's the second thing. I know there are single parents that are going to be in all of our services this weekend, and I'm not trying to ignore you, but I'm going to speak to homes where there are two parents, husbands and wives, moms and dads. Bless your children by demonstrating a deep love for your husband or your wife. There's great truth to this simple saying. The best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother deeply. And the reverse of that is true. There are few things, friends, few things that you can do to create a solid and stable foundation for your children than to love one another deeply and to let that be clearly evident to your children. I mean this from my heart. When I'm gone, one of the most significant things I want my children to remember about me is how much I love their mom. And I want my grandchildren to remember how much I love their grandma. And you do that in your home if that's applicable 
and that will bless your children. Here's the third thing. The third thing I have written down. Bless your children by living consistent lives and by being consistently involved in their life. Let your children see the character of your life by the way that you live, not by the words that you speak, but by the way that you live. By always treating others with kindness, by valuing the things that God values, by having a genuine faith, and on and on and on. And when you mess up, then own it and apologize from the heart. And be involved in their lives. Show up in their lives. While honestly, I do think that some families need to be careful about the sheer number of things that they allow to take control over their lives sometimes. I'm talking about activities and involvement. Whatever you say yes to with your children and their involvement, then show up for those things. Use discernment. But whatever you say yes to, show up for those things. Can I tell you from the perspective of somebody who's been a pastor and, a, and, and preached more funeral sermons than I could even venture a guess, I can remember the services where the overwhelming truth that came from the family about the loved one who had passed on is he was always there. She was always present. I never had to wonder whether I mattered because they showed it by their involvement in my life. The fourth thing I have written down is embrace the priority of introducing your children to Christ and the relationship they can have with God through faith in Christ. Embrace the priority. I guess I read that a little different than what it looks on the screen, but you get the meaning there. Embrace the priority of introducing your children to God and the relationship they can have with him through faith in Christ and in Jesus. There's nothing more important you can do for your children. And so don't let anything get in the way of your helping them experience a genuine life-changing, lifelong faith. I love the fact that in our children's ministry and in our student ministry, our, our, our pastors, our children's pastors, our student pastors, they, they specifically have opportunities where they invite families to come and to spend time in a classroom setting where they explain the, the plan of salvation. They share the gospel in a way that, that everyone can be involved. And that's an incredible resource. But don't minimize the fact that you can do that very same thing in your home. You have more influence on the lives of your children than even the best children's pastor or the best student ministry pastor. They're going to trust you more. They're going to hang on every word you say more. And you need to make that a part of your life. I remember when my son Andrew, who was out here earlier and did the communion meditation when he was just a boy, and we lived in Oklahoma, and I used to like to go for a walk at night around the neighborhood, and I began to invite him to go for a walk around the neighborhood with me when he was at a certain age, and as we walked, the entire time, I, I talked to him about the plan of salvation. The entire time, I told him about the love of God, demonstrated on the cross when Jesus gave his life to take our place. And I talked to him about faith, and I talked to him about repentance, and I talked to him about what baptism meant, and on and on and on. And that's one of the most precious memories in my life. I had those conversations with Tricia just in a different setting. 
Don't ever, don't ever minimize the importance of what your children hear from you about the need for them to be right with God through faith in Christ. And the fifth thing I have written down here is simply this, and this is difficult. You've got to give your children the freedom to grow up because that's what they're going to do. Your children are going to grow up. I love being a grandparent, but I tell people sometimes the only bad thing about being a grandparent is I already saw two kids grow up way too fast. Now I'm watching three other kids grow up way too fast because time goes like that. And we all look back and we, know, we don't even know where it all went. So we got to give them the freedom to grow up and we got to give them the right kind of foundation as they grow up so that they feel, they feel the peace and the security in their hearts that God wants them to have. Being a parent is hard. And any honest parent will tell you they feel like they fail more often than they succeed. But regardless of how you feel and regardless of how many times you failed, you can't ever stop trying. And you got to make parenting a priority so that you can build the consistency of blessing your children into the fabric of your daily life and their daily life. They need to hear that from you. I think my, some of my favorite moments in the gospel story of Jesus are at his baptism and his transfiguration. Because do you remember what those two moments have in common? It was in those two moments when God spoke from heaven. Do you remember what he said? He said, this is my son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well, say it with me, pleased. Even Jesus needed to hear that from his father. I want you to pray with me. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. And we thank you for the blessing that we can have in our lives by knowing that you love us with an everlasting love, by knowing that we're never alone, by knowing that we have a future that's secure, by knowing that our past no longer controls our future, and on and on and on, we have all of that security in our spiritual lives to bless us. Help us to make sure we pass on a similar blessing to our children so that they can have security and peace and they can be an experience all that you want them to be and all that you want them to experience in their lives so that you can protect them and keep them safe. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together and sing.